0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. Fergus Finlay is a former um, government advisor, a former director of Bernardo's, the uh, very well-respected uh, children's charity and involved in a number of government committees. And he writes today in The Examiner and he gets it right in terms of predicting what's going to happen about this Holy Spirit uh, scandal. Uh, day after day last week, Joe Duffy outlined a history of abuse and cover-up all perpetrated by a religious order called the Holy Ghost Fathers. A few of the priests were named, apparently, every time Liveline uh, got hold of the name of a priest, they asked the religious order to confirm it. That's true, we said it every day. Once they had con- confirmation, they used the name of the priest on air. Uh, Fergus Finley goes on, it's going to take them a while to name them all. The National Safeguarding Body in the Catholic Church published an audit of the Holy Ghost Order of the Spiritans in 2012 in that they identified, though they didn't name, 48 priests against whom allegations have been made since 1975. The Holy Ghost have apologised, of course, uh, through a public relations company, no doubt. The default position of these entities when they stand accused of abuse is to cover up and cover up is to regard it as a PR problem. Now, uh, Fergus is right in the first part of every time last week, and I said it every time we got a new name and we had multiple uh, survivors alleging abuse, uh, the Spiritans would confirm within a very, very short time whether this name was on their list and whether they paid out uh, compensation. But since last Thursday, we don't know what's happened since last Thursday, uh, is there a PR company involved? We don't know, as Fergus Finley predicts there. Uh, but since last Thursday, we have submitted six new names, never been in the public domain. Remember, the Dokken one uh, yesterday week had one name, David and Mark gave one name, uh, that was uh, Tom O'Bourne. And uh, since then, we've got eight further names uh, in the public domain. And as I say, we've six more we've submitted to the Spiritans. But for whatever reason, they've decided to cut off contact with us. Unless there is a breakdown in communication, hopefully that will be solved in the next few minutes. We've emailed them, we've phoned them, we've left voice messages with these six new names. And in fact, some of the names have already been removed, the new names have already been removed from uh, websites associated with the, the Holy Ghost Fathers, if you if you follow me. Um, but uh, the Holy Ghost Fathers now know that they actually have a veto. If they don't confirm those names to us, and by the way, we have documentation, but we need them in legally to confirm the documentation as well, though it looks extraordinarily authentic to me um, in terms of compensation uh, made by a number of survivors. But unless the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Ghost order, the Spiritans, unless they confirm names to us, we are kind of stuck legally uh, at the moment, unless RTE, I'm sure they will work to try and find uh, a way around this because survivors want to be heard and that is the problem. As Fergus Finley said, the the uh, previous uh, MO has been to uh, cover up. But that changed last week with the uh, Spiritans, but um, and I said they were obviously not being influenced by a PR company because they were confirming names in fairness, but that stopped last Thursday. We'd asked them uh, to uh, look at those five names we submitted Admitted to them, um, and by the way, multiple. We've had multiple accusers of a number of the names, multiple accusers. And as I say, some of the names have been removed, though not confirmed to us uh, from uh, Holy Ghost-related uh, websites. Okay, so on we go as best we can. Ed Hatton. Ed is in Vancouver, in British Columbia, in Canada. A new name emerged yesterday, and that was uh, Father Arthur. Uh, Carraher. Ed, good afternoon and you can, if you could please tell us, you were nine years of age how come you um, how did you come across Father Carraher as he was then? Uh, good afternoon, Joe. Um, yeah, I was nine years of age. We had immigrated from Ireland to Canada and as a good Irish Catholic, I was on the path to become an altar boy. Mm-hmm. But uh, coincidentally my aunt who remained in Ireland, who was in the convent, she was a nun, was acquainted with Carraher's sister in the convent, or some through some means. Okay. So so when she was coming over to visit us in Canada, she had made arrangements to connect with him, and as such, he ended up at our home and swimming in our pool and having Sunday dinners. But really, my abuse centered around 
my relationship with him through being becoming an altar boy and okay. sort of being welcomed into that group. And what did he do? You were only nine years of age. How did he begin making inappropriate yeah, well, moves? Yeah, so obviously um, memories are foggy and things along that line. And my experience is not like a lot of others okay. where it was repetitive, repetitive graphic abuse. Mine was effectively at least the story I told myself at the time mm-hmm. was I, I was being welcomed into the club of the altar boys and I was in the rectory with him and I just remember his really whispery voice, the way he was really sort of a, ironically a gentle mm-hmm. man and the yeah. way he communicated. But perhaps that was part of his grooming tactic, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, he uh, he was he started with hugging and he was... Uh, welcoming me aboard and then he uh was putting his hands down my trousers and was fondling me and uh i i was really just telling myself that i'm becoming an altar boy so he's just checking to see that i'm a boy oh my god because that was the only requirement in my mind you know Mm -hmm. um and in terms of the extent of my abuse that's the only thing i actually remember and i certainly have memories of being a carrier's presence outside of that, but I don't. Rem- I don't. There's no fog that is lifted to okay. to help me understand the extent and or the impact. To be completely frank, so in in uh, inserting his hands into into your pants, he said, "I'm just checking that you were a boy." No, he didn't say that. Okay, yeah. All he said was, he, he as he did it, he said, "Have you had any operations down here?" Gosh. And okay. the checking to see if I was a boy thing—that was a narrative I built for myself to oh, rationalize okay. Okay. why it was okay. why it was okay. Because this, I mean, at nine or ten years old, I was pretty naive in course. terms of why mm. people of any sort would want to touch people down there, right? Mm. Um, so I, I really just searched for a reason to tell myself so it could be something that was okay. And you say in your email, the violation is never nothing. I'm not really clear on what happened to me, which which other um, callers or survivors have spoken about in the last few days. Um, I have since met other victims of Carraher. Uh, I feel robbed of not knowing what happened to me. Carraher taught of St. Taught of St. Mary's in Rap Mines. We had a number of his victims on yesterday in Dublin. Uh, he was then sent to Africa and then he was moved to Canada uh, where he... Uh, resided for a long number of years. There was a warrant out for his arrest. Um, he effectively admitted that he was guilty, but refused because there's no extradition treaty with Canada. People would be surprised, surprised to hear. I thought I was just waiting on a signature. Um, but there's no there's no uh, extradition uh, from Canada and Carraher uh, died there in the recent past. But he never, as I say, even though he admitted that he had done wrong, he never or he wasn't uh, forced by the Holy Ghost order, he was buried by them as uh, as a member um, to come back and face uh, the his uh, victims. And apparently, at one stage, he was an associate pastor in the Archdiocese of Armagh. Let's let's hear. We'll try and get as much of this these people, these survivors, on air as possible in any way we can. This is a letter, uh, an email sent in uh, from a former Blackrock student who shares uh, Blackrock in Dublin, Blackrock College, who shares his experiences in the gymnasium in the school. Firstly, I'd really like to commend the men who've come forward and told their stories. It's heartbreaking beyond words. Unfortunately, I can add another story of abuse to the collection. Happily, in my case, I managed to get away. But it did happen, and the man who did it has not been mentioned so far in your coverage. Therefore, I feel obliged to contact you especially as I just saw on the RTE news that victims of abuse have been encouraged to come forward. In my case, it's relatively minor compared to other stories, but here's what happened. It was the summer of 1985 and I was 14 years old. I was doing weights during the summertime in order to become stronger because I wanted to get on the Junior Cup rugby team the following year. The man in charge of weights was an individual who had a reputation for being touchy-feely and was joked about, so we were all aware to be careful around him. In any event, 
I was doing an exercise in the weights room where I was lying down. He started feeling the inside of my leg all the way up to my anus. I managed to stop and I got off the weights machine and I walked away. Somehow that was enough for him to stop trying. I don't actually remember what happened afterwards. I think I kept doing weights. I don't remember if I even said it to a friend of mine at the time. If I did, I think I would have just laughed it off like, oh, he tried to fill me up. In retrospect, I'm sure if I hadn't gotten away, he would have gone much further, especially in light of all the other stories we've heard. I'll never forget it. He knew, and I knew, what he was going for. Now I feel that I dodged a bullet by somehow having the confidence to get away, because he was in such a position of power. We all wanted to get onto the rugby team. Weights were essential for that goal, and he was the guy in charge of the weights. The striking thing about all these other stories this week is the similarity. It often starts with boys getting felt up between the legs by these sick perverts. Anyway, I felt obliged to contact you, just because it did happen to me and I managed to get away. I know it's nothing compared to the other stories that I've heard this week, but because his name hasn't been mentioned yet, I thought I should not stay silent. Nevertheless, as far as I know, he's dead now. If there's any silver lining to this whole horrible story, maybe it's that people can start to heal by coming forward and talking. This in turn might encourage others to face up to what's happened to them. I would like to add that the ball is very much in Blackrock College's court now, in my opinion, in terms of how they deal with this and own up to this history of abuse. The bigger picture, of course, is that the Catholic Church has been a safe haven for such behaviour for a long time. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. It seems clear to me that a lot of people knew what was going on at Willow Park and Blackrock College over the decades. I'm happy the Guardi are looking into this now. May justice be served. Okay, and uh, as I said, um, one abuser was named uh, last Monday week on the dock and one by David and Mark Ryan, and you heard Mark on subsequently uh, on Liveline last Friday, and he confirmed the, na- the name of a second abuser um, uh, of, of the one of the two brothers, and there is another second different abuser of the other brother. And um, as I say, we have now uh, 13 13 uh, individual names, in many cases, as you heard, uh, we have multiple victims, individual names uh, of um, priests and indeed uh, some lay uh, teachers. And the problem now is that when we go with the lay teachers' names, the Spiritans are saying, that's nothing to do with us, get on to the school. And we get on to the school, they say, it's nothing to do with us, get on to the Spiritans. They have all the... Uh, the uh, records. Okay, and as um, a number of people pointed out, Blackrock is a very, very big school and a very uh, busy school for for a long, long uh, time. And I know last week we had Neil Hogan on, and Neil, in, in with great courage, um, uh, spoke about his charges against uh, Father Aloysius Flood and Senan Corrie from 1967 to 1972. Well, obviously, there's going to be a number of people by the name of Neil Hogan over the years. But the Neil Hogan, by the way, that was on our programme, I think I made it clear, was from 67 to 72. Another Neil Hogan who attended Black Rock from 1964 to 68 uh, he said he at no time was he abused. I'm happy to clarify, clarify that. Ed, what uh, have you given up on anything ever uh, happening as a result of Carraher's? Uh, he, one, he wasn't going to be extradited, um, but now there's been calls for uh, a public inquiry or some sort of inquiry into what is going on in indeed the Holy Ghost Fathers and beyond. Uh, do you think that call is will 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 be of any use, Ed? Because I know you're, you know, it, a, I know you're a television, you're in the journalism business. Yeah, I'm I'm a television documentary maker and recently made my first podcast. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what's going to happen in Ireland, but certainly getting any traction on telling this story in Canada was difficult. I sort of set out to do this mm-hmm. in 2019, but. My process was derailed a little bit because, you know, I think it was derailed for a number of reasons. One, the appetite for these sorts of stories here, certainly, I think there's, you know, it's a very rote story, as they say. It's it's kind yeah. of like, oh, another scandal, yeah, another very, scandal. And, very good point. Yeah. And, and, and maybe in Ireland now, because of the relationship with the church that's 
been shifting. Like as an example, Ireland's got better reproductive rights than America does. <laughs> so maybe there's an appetite now. Uh, the church might be fair game, I suppose. You know, and I'm only speculating here. Um, but I'm not sure what will come out of it. I certainly I, yeah. I met Mark Healy when I was in Ireland, starting to make yeah, this he was, documentary he was on yesterday with us. Yeah, yeah, I listened to it. And, uh, you know, he's a man, obviously, who's dedicated his entire life to this. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's been, I don't know, chasing windmills in a way, you know, trying to deal with the bureaucracy of the Spiritans and getting shut down. He's like a tenacious man. And, you know, obviously, yeah. I've heard the, the beginning of your show about the Spiritans now shutting down communications and, you know, potentially well, partnering well, up well, with well, a PR firm. Yeah, well, hopefully they haven't. We, we'll find out. Like, But it's, yeah. been, it's been nearly a week since we submitted our last uh, group of names and they haven't even responded. And the mobile number we were originally dealing with, that's um, now turned off. And we can't well, get a response. Well, maybe they're up to their eyes. Hopefully they will respond. Yeah. We're asking them again in well, Kimmage Manor to respond. Certainly on our end here, trying to get more information about any complaints that were lodged at the school I attended when I um, knew Carraher, um were met with sort of stonewalling. And, you know, and there's obviously also privacy issues involved where people don't want to release information if somebody has come forward who is not public about this, you know? Yeah, of course. So, of course. I mean, my hope was to meet as many of the victims as I could and, you know, in doing that, I I reached out. I, I was actually I was just looking for answers myself about my experience, and you know my memories were kind of flooding with memories of being an altar boy and who was alongside of me. And I tracked down an old school friend to try and just verify some dates for my own uh, story. And in calling out him and asking him about this, it never once occurred to me that he was also abused. And I triggered him. And the next thing I know, I'm getting texts from him in the uh, emergency room of the hospital after having tried to harm himself. Oh, God. So there's still people out there that, you know, for one reason or another, aren't in a position to come forward. Um, You know, it's not like this sat with me for my whole life and I was waiting for something to happen. This had been dismissed by me with that story I told you. Oh, he was just checking to see I was a boy. And, of course, over the years when I became more aware of that, it just became a distant memory until 2018 when there was some news here, you know, um, kind of spawned by Mark Healy's work in, in Ireland there. And, and the Canadian connection was established and it made national news here once. And then it was like, oh, wow, the thing that was shocking to me, is it, it might sound ridiculous, but I had never considered that there were others. Yeah. Okay. Well, there are. <laughs> There are others, yeah. um, and the and the spiritans, as they now call, knew about the others, but um, they, um, they 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 were initially cooperating with uh, survivors who contacted this program, and I think it's fair to say that more survivors have contacted this program than any other entity, and that's the nature of the the public profile we we have. Um, but uh, we are still very keen to. Uh, uh, re-established communication with the uh, Spiritans. Ed Hatton, thank, thank you so much. Ed, it's of no uh, consequence to, to you in sense, but I've just been told that um, the, the annual BlackRock business launch, it's gone off my screen now, um, the, the annual BlackRock business launch, which is due to take place on this past pupils, uh, has been cancelled. Ed Hatton in Vancouver, Vancouver, British Columbia. Thank you so much. It's joe at rte.ie from anywhere in the world. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Uh, as you know, it's all over newspapers and and. Uh, broadcast the government are bringing in new legislation it's nearly there actually um, which will have widespread implications for gambling companies and indeed for uh, media companies as well given that uh, gambling companies are by extensive advertising but the new bill includes ban on free bets special offers and credit card gambling um, the the anyone who uh, fails to protect children accessing their services will face up to eight years in prison. Um, 
the it's it's um, there's a new gambling regulatory authority. I don't know who's going to fund them, but it's a new quango called the Gambling Regulatory Authority. Um, legislation will introduce a range of a, a range of sweeping measures to protect. Uh, they say problem gamblers. Now, as it happens, the only thing that's missing here is. Why don't they tax uh, gambling? Why don't they tax uh, uh, betting? Um, but the the onus now seems to be falling on everyone else, the gambling companies and the media companies. But the exemption is the national lottery um, is totally exempt from any of this um, this new regula- regulations. Leo Fitzgerald, you've spot you've spotted you spotted this, and you say what the lottery is everywhere. And, and one of the things in this, they cannot uh, advertising for for any gambling cannot be attractive to young people and cannot be broadcast before uh, nine o'clock each night. What do you think, Leo? Hi, Joe. How you get down? Yeah, um, Joe. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that. The run about gambling, horse, horse uh, racing, and greyhound racing, and all that kind of stuff. But basically, what I'm thinking of is a child walking into a shop and seeing a big coral TV with Irish National Lottery on it. Uh, so much won on this night, and lottery tickets like flashy things above in front of the counter in front of young children. I mean, it's like down the line they'll see me or you buying lottery tickets, and if they, you know. That's gambling as it is. I think myself, you know. But the government, uh, the government doesn't consider the lottery as gambling. Obviously, it's not. It's not going to be. Why, why not, Joe? Because it, 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 it's a gamble, sure. It's a gamble whether you win or lose. You, I presume. I, I presume money, one of the arguments is now it's now owned by a private company. But one of the arguments would be that uh, thirty cent. Now the, the figure is contested, but it's around thirty cent of every euro spent on the lottery goes back to good causes, but it's good causes as decided by politicians, not by not by the National Lottery per se and not by an independent body, but it's good causes as decided. As we know, every year there's always stories about uh, different organisations in various constituencies uh, yeah. getting getting more money than, than other. Uh, but anyway, 30 cent of the lotto money goes back to so-called good causes. How about that, Leo? Yeah, I suppose, yeah, but, uh, you know, you, you have lottery tickets there for 10 euros, 20 euros. Uh, I, I I think there should be a standard one lottery ticket for the Irish lottery or for the whoever is running. Who's running the English lottery? Is it an English firm that's running it, I think, at the moment? No, the National Lottery is owned by a, a Canadian teacher's pension fund. And yeah. also the other the other thing they brought they they got through when they when they bought it and they got it through legitimately the government agreed because the government owned it um, they um, any unclaimed prize fund any unclaimed prize fund previously went back into their prize fund and the, the amount of prizes unclaimed is amazing uh, but now they the new uh, owners of the lottery changed that ever so slightly, and any unclaimed prize fund goes back into the marketing campaign of the National Lottery. Um, but but I, I think myself, Joe, when you're looking at stuff like that on, on the on the front of your, of your shop, we'll say, and children watching all that stuff, and they're talking about gambling, I mean, so that's, that's ridiculous, like, this day and age. They should have a special shop for, for lottery tickets rather than having them in a grocery shop or, you know, I think myself, anyway, that's the way it should be. You know, they're, they're very prominent in front of the, the cash register all around the place. Like, you know, it's bad enough having sweets there besides the checkout. You know, but, you know yeah. much is, uh, has been unclaimed in lotto prizes since 2014. No. A hundred, no. Well, uh, it's a retired... 125 million in unclaimed lotto prizes and that goes back into the lotto company it used to go back into the prize fund but it doesn't uh, anymore and then I was reading um, just as coincidental um, I was reading an article in uh, it was online in a magazine called The Business Insider it's a fairly reputable um, American based magazine but they were they were basically uh, quoting an academic study of um, who spends money on the lotto 
And they say, because there's lotos in every country, it is clear from the, they, it was a scientific study done in postal districts and the amount of tickets purchased and all that kind of It is clear from the graphs that the poorest zip codes, as obviously referring to the states, the poorest zip codes purchase more tickets as the low, at the lowest jackpot levels. However, at the highest jackpots, the, uh, the, the, the well-off get in on it, realising it's a big jackpot, and that's when they buy the, lot, the lotto tickets. So the poor buy lotto tickets, all the poorer sections of society buy lotto tickets all the time and their various yeah. incarnations. And the uh, rich only dip into their pockets when they realise that the prize fund, thanks to the poorer contributors, that the prize fund has actually gone up uh, dramatically. And that's why you'd see when there is every Friday or whenever there's a big lotto, you'll see uh, massive ads. I, I counted nine full-page colour ads in one tabloid, Irish tabloid newspaper from the National Lottery one Friday. You'll see colour ads for the lottery in the Daily Mirror, the Daily Star, uh, the all great newspapers, Daily Mirror, Star, Sun... Um, the mail, but you will not see colour ads for the lottery in the Irish Times and sell them in the Irish Independent, but definitely not in the Irish Times. So they know they know where their target market market is. But what's definitely. wrong with that, Leo? They know they know um, where their market is. They know, but if if you're going to buy a lottery ticket, you're going to buy to win, and that's gambling. That is a gamble, straight away. Like so, that's. And if we don't, you might win a fiver on the first ticket, and then it'll tempt you to buy another ticket. Mm. You know, and, and that's that's gambling. And, and I think that should be, you know, there should be something done about about the the temptation. Basically, it's there in front of you. You know, it was like the cigarettes when when people they were trying to stop people smoking, they hid the cigarettes. Why can't they hide the lottery tickets? Well, that's true. What do you think the colour and the the yeah. multicolored uh, like same Joe has, has gone back into the the old days when when the machines in the pubs used to be there with flashing lights. You often see them in the English pubs now, with they're not in the Irish pubs anymore. Um, flashing lights, and you put in fifty pence or something, you might win two pounds or whatever. At that time, mm-hmm. you know, they're all gone. Like that's the idea: if they can hide the cigarettes, why can't they hide the lottery tickets? You know, because they are... Uh, yeah, OK, OK. But, the other, the, but there's many other aspects of this new legislation. As I say, the government uh, dodged the bullet again. They, they, why, why not put 30... If there's if there's 30% tax effectively on every lotto ticket sold, i.e. 30 cent goes into the exchequer, they say yeah. through good causes, why not put 30, 30 cent tax on, on every euro gambled? Yeah. That would, that yeah. would, but anyway, um, yeah. uh, and, and as was pointed out, it was the weekend before last, uh, most of the prize fund in Irish horse racing comes, thanks to you and me, comes from the Irish taxpayer, one of the highest uh, bounties in uh, world racing, the prizes in Irish horse racing come from the taxpayer, believe it or not. But anyway, right. I, they I, also, I, I, really I sell them by, uh, by uh, sorry, back horses, you know, but I would buy lottery tickets. And I noticed if I bought one, I could win a tenner and I'd go back down to the shop again and I'd get a fiver back and I'd buy another fiver lottery ticket. And you'd think you'd be up, you'd think you'd be in front, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, and you wouldn't. You, you, you'd lose eventually, like you know. Yeah, but also, um, there, there will also be a ban. <laughs> there will also be a ban on sponsorship of sport by gambling companies, which that's all they do. It seems between Paddy Power and Betfair, every every football match in the UK you look at is as either to have it on their jersey or both. Uh, but the advertising um, applies to sponsorship of sports programming, including those coming from overseas and broadcast into Ireland. Now, how are they going to stop that? Joe, the main thing is you're going into a bookie office, you're going into gamble. You're going into a grocery shop. You're going to buy groceries. Do you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to make an issue of of like you, you're going into a grocery shop and you're buying your groceries. You don't want to be tempted by lottery tickets or any of that stuff. If they want to gamble, put all those lottery tickets into the the, the, the shops where the bookie offices are, and let people go in there because okay. no juvenile goes into 
into the bookies. Okay, well, Barry, Barry Grant is on the line. Barry forced a merge, I think, on this programme about three years ago, and he's extraordinarily well-read and very proactive on uh, problem gambling. In fact, he set up an organisation called Problem Gambling Ireland. Uh, Barry, good afternoon. Hey, Joe, thanks for having me on. Yeah, and Barry, I presume you welcome a lot of this, but do you see any problems in terms of how are they going to police it in terms of sponsorship from on programmes that are beamed in on Sky, for example? Yeah, I think I was looking at James Brown's press conference earlier on today. He was asked that question. He's a, ju- uh, he's a junior minister that's been uh, uh, processing this. Yeah, that's correct. He's the minister in charge. So he, when he answered the question, he said that there was the capacity for the Irish legislators to um, stop, say, Sky Sports, for, to give one example, from broadcasting gambling ads pre-watershed. Now, what okay. they couldn't have an impact on would be the ads on the hoardings, which exactly, yeah. <laughs> or, or, yeah. or, or the, the shirt sponsorship of the Premier League teams. Or the, the jerseys. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. So that's so so that so that's pointless. That can't be police. That element of us, uh, but I, there is a point in taking away some of the ads. I mean, the ads are quite triggering in and of themselves. Certainly, mm. the, the people who use our service would say that, and they would kind of give the odds and the price of usually the specials that the the bookies are trying to push on people. So, first goal scorer, for example. So they are quite triggering and they're quite enticing to young people as well. But, but then, someone sent me in lotto ads, um, which feature the national lottery ads, which feature children, um, this, which is totally outlawed for any other gambling company. Um, the national lottery ads somebody sent me in, which uh, features a, a semi-clad woman. Another one which features a stupid-looking leprechaun. That's a, that's not aimed at children. I don't know what it is. So Barry, what do you think of the lot, the national lottery being totally exempt? Yeah, they, I suppose they have their own regulator up and running for a number of years. Um, you could make the argument that ideally the, the the lottery will be put in with the main gambling regulator, but I don't think the the government are of a mind to do that. Why not? Do you know? Do you know? What, what's the way you can speculate, Barry? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. speculating can get a person into all sorts of trouble <laughs> okay. on the airwaves. But, okay. uh, but certainly children in an ad for yeah. a product that is uh, over 18's gambling product, I would not be in favour of that at all. Well, the lot will do it, and then they, they, they do these ads then for the good causes. And good causes are basically... Um, the, 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 anyone who gets a grant from the National Lottery and as I say it's, it's, it's politics involved here it's been there's a report from UCC approved that a number of years ago anyone who gets a grant of the 30 cent of every euro that goes to good causes as decided primarily by politicians um, anyone that gets one of those grants is entitled then to apply for a good cause grant and you'll see an enormous amount of advertising on radio, television and uh, in newspapers um, for this. I, I think they probably spend more on advertising the Good Cause Awards than they do actually on the Good cause, the good Causes themselves on the, on, on the fund. I do, I do not know. Um, I do not know what the exact uh, figure is. Why, Leo? Why couldn't the National Lottery would say, instead of having money, have prizes, would say, like... Um, a weekend away or something rather than... Because then people, because Barry, or Leo, people wouldn't buy the tickets. Barry, when it, it says it's a ban between, it's a ban, there's a ban between half five in the morning and nine o'clock at night. But that doesn't apply to newspapers, obviously. It couldn't. Yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to do that with newspapers. So the, so the, so the, main, the, main, the main target here is RTE, radio and television. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I think in the UK anyway, the recent study found that the gambling spend is about 85% on, online, so mostly on social media. Now, obviously, there's quite a bit on TV and radio, and people tend to focus on that, but the, the most impactful gambling advertising is on social media because okay. they are directed at specific cohorts. Yeah. Um, yeah, newspapers, I'm not sure yet because we haven't seen the bill, how they're going to square that circle because I think essentially that would be an outright ban. 
but the counties. Well, some newspapers wouldn't exist without advertising from gambling companies. In fairness to them, especially yeah, I especially, think that's a possibility, yeah. especially a tabloid as well. But but if are they outlawing credit card gambling? Yes, that's a, and that's already been implemented in the UK. And okay. so most of the gambling operators already do that voluntarily here. So there's no online gambling? Well, oh, you can do it with your debit card. Oh, hello. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Okay, well, that's that's not exactly a, a, a ban, is it? Leo, yes. Leo, yes. The, 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 the lot ridiculous, you said they get, the government get 30 cents, is it, per... Yeah, 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 per, per euro. Uh, yeah. What do the shops get then? Oh, the shops get two or three cents. You know, they're they're depending on volume, and they're also yeah. they're also they also know that if you have a national lottery sign outside your shop, and the shop yeah. next door doesn't, you are likely to get more footfall, and people will buy right. cigarettes or whatever right. whatever else they buy. Barry, have you a view? Because I see people, and uh, have you a view on uh, competitions on radio stations there's there's a cash competition which is advertised non-stop on news talk people know about it you you remember a number and you enter yeah. you you cost you 250 to enter now news talk keep t- and it's across all those stations power stations but they tell us how much they've given out in prize fund but they've never told us how much they've taken in <laughs> is there is there yeah. any is there any obligation there well, I would like because it is it is gambling, is it? It is gambling, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. All those sort of raffles and prize draws are a form of gambling now, which is legitimate. They're entitled to do it as a form of as an income stream. But it'd be worth to know what the it'd be worthwhile knowing what the income stream is. Yeah, I'd be very interested to know what percentage of the income is paid out in prizes and. Uh, I don't know if they're legally obliged to do that, but well, they're awarded. It, they're awarded a license by the BAI. They get money from the BAI for cert, BAI for certain programs. Surely there'll be some obligation. Yeah, again, I'm not sure about the, the legality around that. I, I no, it is. No, it is legal. Yeah, I don't. I'm not yeah. saying it's legal, but have they an obligation anywhere to tell us? To keep reminding us of how much they they give out in prizes. But um, they they never tell us how much they've. What what is the percentage? Yeah, I'd be very interested to know as well for sure. Okay, well maybe maybe uh, some journalists will ask when they're in when they're in Diggs Lane. They can ask. But anyway, it's it's a legitimate competition. It's obviously extraordinarily successful. You you enter you you dial in you if you pay your two fifty whatever over your mobile through your mobile phone bill to enter, and then you await. If you're lucky enough, you will wait a call, and uh, if you can remember the number, which is uh, that's it's very simple, straightforward. You remember a number, uh, the cash prize, whatever the number that was given out that day, you jot it down on your hand or in your mobile phone. If you remember the number, you win the prize. Uh, Mark, Marco Callahan, five one double five one. Text Mark your point, please. Is the last yeah. is the national lottery gambling? Mark, come in. I'm 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 uh, dependent. I can. T- I'm here if you want me. Yeah. Who's there? Who's there, John? Joe, I'm here if you want to talk to me. Yeah. Mark, I can't see you. Who is that? Joe, how's it going, Joe? Mark, this is Mark. Okay, good man, Mark. You can hear me. Mark, is is the is the lottery gambling? One hundred percent, yes. Why? Well, any time you put a stake down with the hope of winning more, is it has to be the definition of gambling. And what do you think of the national lottery? I think it's great at the same time, but it, uh, uh, it doesn't mean that I don't. It doesn't mean that I don't think it's gambling, you know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, but well, you people, say there must be. Well, over the never never you know. What are you saying? There must be seventy draws a week. Oh, yeah. There's not a great line here, Joe. To be honest, with you. Okay. I well, don't well, have well, any well Mark, uh, Mark, hang on. I'll t- I'll 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 get you there. I'll take a quick break. Back after this. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Patricia, good afternoon. Hi, Joe. How are you? Good Good to talk to you. Um, I just wanted to make a a quick point just in relation to um, children being targeted. Uh, Just, you know, somebody made the point there about, you know, kids being targeted like for gambling and that. Um, if you consider lucky bags and match attack cards, I mean, they are actually a form of gambling. 
like I'm not saying that they should be banned or anything like no, that. No, I mean, no, I know it's, no, it's fun. no, no, Patricia. The great Don't lucky, stop. the great lucky bag row is about to begin. The great lucky bag con- con- <laughs> controversy, as we say. When I buy a lucky bag, when I was in, working in Boylan Sweet Shop in Twelve Cladagreen back in the day, I was behind the counter and with me few bob every Friday, I'd buy a few lucky bags. I never got an yeah. empty lucky bag. I never got I an empty lucky bag. I know what you're saying. And I, I'm so, not saying that there's anything wrong with them. So I'll give you a few minutes to compose a full apology <laughs> for comparing lucky bags to gambling. <laughs> but match attack cards as well. But do you not think what's, that what's, it, it's I, kind what's, of, what's a match attack card? Uh, you know, it's not a bag, but you know the match attack cards. You know, the soccer cards. For the World Cup. So it's Pan- like you Pan- could get Panini. A lucky. Pardon? The Panini cards. Um... These way you know. these way you get you get the photographs of the players you put them in a in a oh, yes. in your book. Y- yes, yeah, that's okay. it. But you do get it, isn't it kind uh, of the same thing? Do you know that it's just sort yeah. of um, that there's that sort of excitement or whatever there. The same as maybe when you scratch a um, a lottery card. Yeah, but you, nine out nine out of ten times you scratch a lottery card, it's an empty lucky bag. And if you got an empty lucky bag back in the day mm. in Boylan Sweet Shop. You'd have the kids coming over the counter at you. They were, they were very assertive kids in Ballyfermot. You'd have the kids coming over the counter at you. Mr. Boylan, you've given us an empty mm. lucky bag. And that's not allowed under the, and they'd quote legislation yeah. as well. But okay. do, you th- do you think that, no, yeah. it's, it's fine, Patricia. Do you think, um, do you think the lotto is gambling? I, I suppose I do, really. Yeah. yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that there are people who become addicted and so yeah, see the other thing you, you know the scratch cards are addictive as well people you buy yeah. you buy you, you buy everyone buys scratch cards from time to time some of, some of them buy as, as that survey said in poorer areas they're bought on a much more regular mm. basis but you will never buy a scratch card that does not have at least two matching symbols you know the way you might need three symbols yeah. to get the yeah. play you will never buy yeah. a scratch card that has uh, less than two matching symbols because the whole thing is you get two, you match two, and then you say, "Hang on, I have another go. I might match three. You'll match two again. Then I have another mm. go. I might match three. You'll match two again." So it becomes, it becomes a, 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 a there's a buzz in it. Mark, um, you you yeah. do you think the the national lottery needs? Well, they'll argue they will be monitored, even though they were cut out about two years ago again with scratch cards. And they didn't give out the number of prizes that the scratch card game advertised. Now they oh, didn't. I actually remember that when it was on yeah, your show, yeah, Joe. Yeah, and exactly. And, the, and the, re- the regulator let them off with it. <laughs> that's, you know, no, that's what. Not, that's fine. The regulator is independent, and they they obviously called them in, and they got an explanation, and that was dealt with. Mm. I but don't know where the prize. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not a fan of the prize money going going back into their profits either. Really, to be honest, you know. I think that should, there should be a special draw at the end of the year for all the prize money that hasn't been collected. There's enough of it. There's 115 million there, you said. 124 million since 214. That's some money, I mean, isn't it? I was trying to, while well, I was waiting on you there and listening to your other caller, I, uh, I'm not saying I have this worked out correctly, Joe, mm. you know, but I, I think there's 56 draws a week. Yes, and that's sir. only between the daily million, <laughs> the euro million, and the lotto. I mean, again, I, I could be... This is at least the minimum. Someone might come in and say, well, there's actually more, but there's definitely okay. six draws a day in the daily millions because it's on twice a day. Okay. And then twice a week you got the Euro millions and twice a week you got the lotto and there's three draws each of them. So there's 56 draws. Wow. So but even what, if you what, play what, the minimum, yeah, if you even play the minimum there of one, wherever it is, you're going to quickly going to accumulate you know, a big bill at the end of the week, you know? But, and but, I don't know how many. I said you. Have, I, I'm guessing here, but it looks like they have about twenty scratch cards as well. Because when you go into the oh, more, yeah, job, yeah, I think you're dead. They're right. always up there, and they've so yeah. many now that they have, the people just ask for them by numbers. Yeah, they don't even know, need to know the name of the card. Oh, do they not? No, the, the, it's, it's for, the, for the person that's serving. Them yeah, as well. oh, yeah. Oh, and the, and the little dispenser has a number on it. You're so right. they can see numbers both you're right. sides. G- give me, give me number. Person. Give me four and number fourteen. Yeah, give me four, yeah. four, two, or two, or whatever the hell it is. You know. But do you but, not, uh, but, but it, it, Mark, it, it, Mark, what about the fact that a, a lot of newspapers in this tough, tough times for newspapers and indeed broadcast stations, radio and television, without the National Lottery, 
spending money on their advertising, they'd be in severe difficulties. I was actually thinking about that while I was waiting to talk to you, Joe. I'll be honest with you, RTE might be, you know, would be a big candidate in that. You know, they'd, they'd, be, they'd yeah. be down a lot of funds as well, Joe. If and many others. others. But yeah. obviously, okay. it looks like RTE would be a big... Would they, they seem to spend big on, on the national airwaves, you know? Yeah, well, they, they do, and they spend big on, on other, whatever outlet they find value for money, I presume. They're a serious organisation. But the other thing as well is the National Lottery sponsor the National Print Media Awards. Now, yes. would, you, would, you have, would you allow a cigarette company to, to sponsor the National Media Awards? In fact, the cigarette company used to sponsor them, called Benson and Hedges, and there was a major campaign. But the National Lottery sponsored the National Media Awards, so there's something in that for them. Um, Dennis McGrath, Kells in County Kildare. De- De- Dennis. Joe? Yes, you love to gamble. Go ahead. Will, will, yeah, the, will, the, legislation, will the legislation oh. affect you? Absolutely not. Why not? Because there's nothing here that would stop me. Because let me clarify a couple of points, right? Mm-hmm. First and foremost, I'm passionate about horse racing. Okay, Second good. of all, Goodbye. I'm passionate about gambling. Okay? Okay. Third of all, this, this idea that bookmakers give, give out freebies is an absolute load of nonsense. It's a complete and utter myth, right? Give you an example. Mm-hmm. Paddy Power. I deal with them all the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I deal with them online, okay? Now, if you send 50 now stay, quid a week... Den, Dennis, promise now you'll stay within the borders of the Ten Commandments. I don't want to be brought to court by Paddy Power. No, no, I'm just okay, explaining... Okay, thanks, thanks. I'm explaining to you what... As, as far as the freebie, you know, free yeah, bets yeah. are concerned, right? You spend 50 euros with them per week. Okay. They will give you a 10 euro free bet on a Monday at about 11 o'clock. Is that true? I do it every every week, Joe. Okay. So that's like, how. I, so so free bets are outlawed. Free bets are outlawed. <laughs> I mean that's. Well, well, well when the legisla- the legislation will come into force in early next year. Well, but no free well, bets, and you know that Cheltenham is going to be affected next March because in Cheltenham week, as you know, every news, well, every tabloid newspaper has a five euro free bet with Paddy Power or Betfair yeah, or Ladbrokes yeah. or whatever boils or whatever. No, they're not worth. They're not worth a carrot. What not a worth a carrot. A if you're serious about if you're serious about gambling or uh, in that in that in this field, right? Five euro bet with all due respects ain't gonna. Cut the mustard. Yeah, well, it's five euro more than than five than zero euro. Yeah, correct. Yeah, but yeah. in the overall scheme, okay. the overall scheme is it's now nothing. the fact that the fact that you can't use your your, your credit card, but you can use a debit card. Does that yeah, aff- does that yeah. affect you? No, not not in the slightest. So if they, the only way, there's nothing the government can do or bring in unless. They close the industry down completely. Well, they can't do that. No, they can't do that. So, it's it's in my opinion, it's a, a point. Should, of should, 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 point of but should they tax the industry? Should they tax, should they the, tax bets? the industry? Um, should they tax the industry? The reason why a lot of people, the reason why I do it, or one of the reasons why I'm attracted to it, is it's tax free. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the it depends on the the level of tax that they decide to impose. Once again, if it's not going to hurt you in your pocket, you're not going to be that bothered. But my point is, they impose a thirty percent tax on a lotto ticket. Thirty cent out of the lock of lotto ticket goes yeah, well, to causes well, I, as decided, yeah. good causes as denominated by politicians and government departments. Yeah. yeah well, I'd have no. I've, I've no interest whatsoever in, in the lotto. Not interested. Why? I've... <laughs> well, do you, look at the, do you look at the odds? I'm not interested because you ain't got a prayer. Okay, okay. Okay? <laughs> so there are the odds. Let's cut to the chase. Okay. You ain't got a prayer. Okay. Simple as. And it's all about risk to reward. Okay. And there's no point in me putting a five or a ten or a twenty quid on a load of numbers. Forty two. Yeah. I've got forty I need I need six numbers out of forty two. Yeah. I got one in what, one in seven? I think they're going to Barry can help me here, but Barry are weren't they 
But in other words, the, the doll or the parliament or the government at the end of the day, weren't they going to outlaw bookies uh, offering odds on the six lotto numbers or the seven lotto numbers coming up? Yeah, there was a bill making its way through the doll recently. I don't know if that's uh, kind of gone by the wayside, but definitely there was a bill there making its way through the doll. Because um, I remember the, argument. The, the, the great Terry Rogers back in the day, um, he was on, I think it was this programme, he was arguing that he could offer much better odds to lotto gamblers on the six, in other words, he was saying, "Give me, put your six numbers on with me, and if they come up in the lotto, you, you, you have a better chance. You have a better chance of winning with me, the bookie, than you have with oh, the lotto." Is, does that mean that? Good, Barry, no? Good old Terry Rogers. Terry Rogers, yeah. Uh, Bar- Barry, um, it, uh, do you Sorry. think? Do you, th- Barry, you think that this 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 new legislation will make a big difference? It will be, look, for the people that we work with whose gambling has gotten out of control, where it's having a really detrimental impact on their lives, on the lives of their loved ones and their significant others, absolutely, there are many proposals in there that would help them. And look, for your recreational gambler, none of this stuff is going to have any impact on them at all. You don't think so, no. Joe, there is no such thing as a recreational gambler. But you're one, aren't you? You said you love recreational. You said you love gambling. You love horse racing and you love gambling. I am not a recreational gambler, Joe. If you could, if you could define that for me, I'd appreciate it. I thought love. I thought love would come under the heading recreational in terms of enjoyment and fulfilment. Well, recreational, recreational. Look, <laughs> there's two types of punters, Joe. Right? There are butterfly punters and there are serious punters. Right? Yeah. I would consider myself a serious punter. I take it very seriously. It's, it's, to me, it's a business. It's an income stream. I had this conversation with you before. Okay. I respect, I have too much respect for money not to flitter it away. Okay? Okay. It's as simple as that. Okay. Okay, Dennis, good evening. I'm all getting cast. Joe at RT.ie, 51551. But remember, Joe at RT.ie from anywhere in the world. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. So the new gambling uh, law will um, ban all social media advertising, all advertising and broadcast media between uh, half five in the morning and nine o'clock at night. Um, And a a credit card, which you can use your debit card, so that's not much much use there. Um, Where is uh, Sean? Sean, your point, please. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm listening to your program, and I've, I've spoken to you uh, about this about four years ago. Okay, there was there was some young lad who who lost a, a lot a lot of money, mm-hmm. and I was on your show and just talking about it. And uh, yeah, gambling and, and I suppose alcohol and even drugs are, are the same thing. Uh, particularly gambling and alcohol, most people can do uh, what we'll say normally. Yeah, okay, okay, good They'll point. Go and have yeah. two pints, they have Recre- one, one bet. Recreation. But a cohort of people, once yeah. they get started, they can't stop, yeah. and it's an yeah. addiction. Yeah. And they're, they're both recognised by the uh, World Health Organisation uh, as diseases. Yeah. And uh, just people are being taken uh, so easily. The glamour uh, of advertising, except for, you know, attracts them, and uh, they, they go in, you know, thinking that they can win. They can't win. The house always wins. The house always wins, yeah. But there is there is fun in, there is fun in gambling. Certain, I mean, that's, that's, that's why... It certainly is to a point. But uh, I think the the the, the uh, kind of the casualties uh, of compulsive gambling in particular are, are just uh, too too huge. Uh, I've lost a few friends uh, uh, to suicide uh, who were oh, compulsive God. gamblers and they couldn't stop. So it, it, it's a serious business, uh, yeah. you know. And uh, again, they're emotional illnesses, and they really need uh, treatment and. Uh, uh, organisations or fellowships like the GA uh, do wonderful work. Gamblers uh, Anonymous. In, in but, but do you think this new legislation banning it, banning advertising on social media, and the advertising aimed at children, banning broadcast advertising between uh, five in the morning and nine at night, apart from hitting media companies, do you think it will make a difference? It's a start. Uh, I, I, I don't uh, uh, really think so. I really don't think so. Because once people get hooked, uh, you know, yeah. uh, 
into compulsive gambling, uh, it's it, it devastating. It has the highest suicide rate of any uh, addiction uh, on the planet. It has the highest suicide rate of any of the spouses of, of uh, it, yeah. compulsive okay. gamblers. Uh, okay. yeah. it, it, it's a very dangerous uh, thing to get into, especially for young people, impressionable young people. And I know... Uh, and what do you, okay, okay, that, g- that, give that, the other issue that has arisen today, Sean, what do you think of the National Lottery? Is that gambling and their presence, their, colour, yeah. their colourful presence? In... It, it, it is gambling. Any, any, any time you put money at risk is gambling. Uh, buying shares is gambling. Doing the lottery is gambling, mm-hmm. but most people, uh, you know, uh, can do it at a sensible, uh, you know, sort of level, and it doesn't really affect them one way or the other. But there's a lot and lot of people uh, drawn in, and I remember when the, the scratch cards came out first, and there was a lady on the radio who had spent forty pounds that week on scratch cards and won nothing, oh, yeah. and that was more than her week's wages. Well, go to one hundred eighty quid and win nothing. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's, I, the, I think the chances of winning on scratch cards are less than even than you, your, your tortoise. Yeah, they, I mean, in, in general, if you're doing it all the time, it's a, it's a lose-lose. Uh, there's, there's no comeback from that, you know, really, unless one goes for help. Okay, James, James, thanks, Sean. Uh, Sean is uh, in Tralee, I think. James, you were in England at the weekend. What did you notice? When I was in England, Joe, I was over, actually, the Cheltenham races, would you believe it? I, uh, I went into a couple of betting shops, Ladbrokes and our own Paddy Power and it was just I counted yeah. in one of the bookies there was 25 slot machines OK and are they are they allowed here in bookies they're not should they not no no there's yeah. no that's what just stood out to me that there was, like, there was 25 and they're all in we'll say Lad Brooks is red and white they're all branded about in the red and white colour you know yeah and that's, that's what I found like, I don't think that this new government thing will work because I was in Chelsea for the weekend and would say I see that, you know. It's, but the Cheltenham, you know I mean? yeah. But the Cheltenham week <laughs> next March, no matter where you are, Puerto Rico or uh, Marbella, you, if you're Irish, especially, you love Cheltenham. It's great crack. Yeah, oh yeah. Look at this. It's like I was there for 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 two days racing, and it was top lads. Really was in fairness. But did you gamble? I did, yeah. Yeah, of course, I, yeah. I went, I went with a sort of a budget, right? If I lose, I lose it. If I win, okay. I win. Fair enough. And you stick to your budget? Did you stick to it? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. and okay, um, John O'Donovan, John, your point, please. Yeah, look, um, there is a recreational side. You are too gambling, right? It's not yeah. all doom and gloom. I do the latter twice a week because I like the idea of the dream of maybe retiring, escape the Irish winters and have my little villa in Madeira or somewhere, right? Maybe it will never come, maybe it will. I know a guy who worked with us, he's put 12, 12 euro on us, going back nearly 16 years ago now, and you won three and a half million. Now, the thing is, um, some, not everyone buying a lottery ticket is a compulsive gambler. They're like, mm. I don't back to Hossett, but your friends of mine do. And this is the recreational side that I'm pointing out. They go into the, the not good many free publicity, but the local bookies around the area. They meet their friends, they're retired, they have a chat about the GA, about the soccer, about Liverpool, the whole lot. They do their yeah. one or two yeah. euro, they go home, they have the bit of grub, they come back again. And it's a recreational side of gambling. They don't go overboard but they're meeting their buddies and it's good for their mental health. It's yeah, like yeah. every guy going into a pub, Joe, not, they're going for the company. A lot of people maybe even yeah. living alone. Yeah. They're not all alcoholics. Okay, good point. Well, um, the, the, the one thing they're going to ban from bookies is uh, ATM machines, John. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that, yeah. Oh, that, okay, that's okay. a bit too kind of thing, yeah. I would, and they definitely wouldn't have slot machines there. Yeah, well, there was a big, there's, there's a big controversy in the UK about slot machines. Yeah, that's a step too far, like, I mean, there. But I think the, the recreational side, like, there was one guy earlier on that he was pulling that, but, I mean, there is a side for mental health, like, that people are out and they're meeting their buddies that they work with or retired or whatever. They're having their little flutter. Someone spends, what, two or three euro on the latter. The chances are, look, they probably never win it. But, look, just for that couple of minutes while they're doing the latter, sure, the dream is there. Yeah, OK, OK. Then that's what they're, that's what they're selling, the dream. Yep, what you this and yeah. look no, but John, would you, would you not be better putting your few bob every every uh, Wednesday and Saturday into an old shoebox and you might be able to get a holiday at the end of the year? Yeah, but I definitely won't get the villain, the blonde, will I? <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
what's the what's the most you've ever won on the lotto then, John? Um, I suppose about uh, fifty euro, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and yeah. that's been a while back now. But I still it. do it, and if the price goes up, you, wouldn't, it's a even, big you, you, you wouldn't even get a Barbie dollhouse in Smiths for that or two fifty this year. You wouldn't. Tommy <laughs> Claffy, Tommy, Tommy, five one double five one. Is the, is the lotto gambling? Of course it is. They say, well, the government says it's not, effectively. The because it's not in this new, it's not under this new gambling regulatory authority, anything, the GRA. Anything that has a nod on it, you know, five to one, six to one, whatever, that's gambling. It's a, it's a game of chance. Yeah. And it's on right horse racing, where you can see the 16 runners yeah. and the form. Yeah. You can, good, you can judge, point. like yeah. you can take, you can ha- take half the field out. That should be sent to Keys and that could yeah, dog fluids. Uh, oh, Keys, yeah. But, yeah. The, but the, um, and then you can look at a horse, you can, if you're good at judging a horse, the, yeah, the fat locks and the rump or whatever, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, there is a bit of skill involved. Yeah, there is a, there's a, a lot of skill involved. Uh, the National Lotteries with their scratch cards, they yeah. give out numbers, uh, odds of every two and five will win uh, a prize. But some of the some of the tickets is every three and five, depending on the what what you pay for the ticket. But what mm-hmm. they don't tell you is on some of these ones you get a free ticket, so you don't no, get your money back. Yeah, you win. I know. It's that, like I a know. pushback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's not winning. That's not one and three. Well, you win. You you win if much you don't it, win. You get another chance. If you're playing blackjack and you got twenty. And the dealer gets 20. You get a pushback, which is your money back. Yeah. So he doesn't win, and you just you don't win. But if you play the, the scratch cards, you have to spend your, class it, yeah. is, your class is a winner. Okay, and it is a voucher, yeah. Okay, so, I so mean, if they're, going to, if they're going to ban... Uh, uh, well, they're banning online. Advertisement. Advertisement yeah. on, on bookies, which I don't, I don't disagree with. But, well, then you have to ban the National Lottery as well. I mean, was the government were getting uh, lobbies to stop the, the bookies uh, taking odds on tonight's draw on the Euro Millions or tomorrow night's draw on the National Lottery? Yeah. The bookies will just get away, get, get, get turn that around and, and pick out the same numbers. And what about when you turn on a Premiership game now, especially, all you see are gambling ads during the breaks? But some people don't... Like, I don't All know you see is gambling ads, and and sometimes you see, you can um, uh, go online now and make a prediction about the outcome of the game you're watching, or whoever yeah. player might score or whatever. Yeah, there's so, there's there's spooky sites there you can you can back on a horse that you think is going to lose. Yeah, of course. Yeah. On, okay. on, on, online, okay. you know. Okay, okay. Say what is Joe at RT. Five one double five one text. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Aubrey McCarthy is involved in the Tiglin Centre, uh, an addiction charity. Uh, Aubrey, you, you would welcome the new legislation, I presume. Joe, I'm delighted um, because it's bringing into view exactly what is happening in the gambling industry. I'm not too sure if you remember last year when President Higgins, uh, after COVID, his first event was to visit um, the Carrig Eden site, which is a housing development no, I remember that, in, yeah. in Greystones. Yeah. While he was walking around the centre, he met one guy from Limerick, and they got into a chat, and the president and his entourage, they're meant to move on to the next, uh, next event. Mm. But he got talking, and he was talking to this chap for about 20, 25 minutes, and it turned out this guy had lost everything. Uh, through gambling. Now, alcohol was, was intertwined as well. Yeah, yeah. But he, he, it just showed how silently everything was lost. So after a while, President Higgins gave a, a speech outside, okay. and there was media there, and he spoke about how his heart was broken about seeing so much damage being done to families and individuals. And it really, really hit a nerve. And he called on the government to stop doing totally minimal and tokenistic Invitations to be responsible, but about, actually to take was, out the he, pen. 
He was specifically talking about gambling, wasn't he? He time? was talking yeah. about gambling. And it's interesting because we, Tiglin deals with addictions from, you know, all sorts of addictions. But he was addressing gambling and he was saying when he's looking at sport during COVID, he, he was absolutely heartbroken to see so much advertising during the sports programs before any, uh, any hour, before, you know, during the day, during the evening, whatever. And uh, the gambling apps and advertisements during those okay, sports. Okay, well, well, that will be gone under the new law in the new year. Yeah, so it goes some way yeah, to help okay. people that are struggling with addiction in this area. And do you... Is the, is the National Lottery gambling, Aubrey? Oh, it's, it's, the National Lottery definitely is gambling. Um, it, it is a form of gambling. Now, the majority of people are not affected in any, in any serious way. But, mm. but there are people that where addiction is addiction. And, you know, spending, spending um, a ticket, uh, money on a ticket, and then you go back in, you buy another 10 tickets with the winning no, of that. No. And you, you always, the carrot is in front of you and you're const- consistently following after that. Okay. Okay. Um, I and now I know the president made, made other comments that day as well publicly. But I think that, that that those comments you say about his heart was broken. I remember them now, but they didn't get as much uh, attention as other comments about the housing crisis uh, being a disgrace and a disaster. But the, you're saying the president was quite clear in a public speech that day that he abhorred the whole idea of um, adver- advertising gambling ads during sports events during yeah. the day when. Joe, the gambling uh, speech that he made was actually the year before. Okay. The housing speech he made this year. Okay. But they were both very, very uh, obvious okay. speeches. Well, and they well, certainly well corrected, yeah. yeah. But well. he certainly addressed the gambling issue. And it's a hidden issue. You and if, I, if I got yeah, drunk I or out of my head in front of you, it's obvious. When I'm gambling, I can be silent in front of my computer at night time or on my phone. Okay. And then he's going to, the other thing that's going to be outlawed, well, I, should, I should say she, it's, it's come to the Department of Justice, but the minister who's leading it is uh, the junior minister, James Brown. But um, they're going to outlaw, outlaw uh, gambling companies giving VIP treatment and free bets to people and extra. Yeah, I, haven't, I haven't looked at the changes in the legislation, but I certainly do welcome uh, the advertising restrictions. I do think that will make a difference. Okay, okay. Okay, uh, Aubrey McCarthy, uh, thanks. How's Tiglin doing at the moment? Tiglin, very busy. We're full up and uh, we have a lot of housing and a lot of, a lot of um, problems with individuals facing addiction and there's a huge weight in this, but I think that's post-COVID, Joe. There's a lot of issues after COVID. What, do you think there was a, gr- a growth in addiction during well, COVID? Oh, definitely a growth in addiction and alcohol has become a major yeah. issue. Before it was heavy drugs, now alcohol is a huge issue. And people people were confined to their houses and drinking on their own, and it became a very, very dark area. Okay, okay. Um, Thanks indeed. That's that's sad to hear. Uh, Aubrey McCarthy of the Tiglin Centre, thanks indeed. Uh, Ruth Cannington was on sound. Uh, Shane Galvin uh, was the BCO. Brenda Dunhill produced. Let me mention, uh, because it's coming up again, the last funny Friday before Christmas Eve morning. Christmas Eve, as you know, is on the 24th of December. Christmas Eve, as you know, is on a Saturday this year, obviously. And Brendan O'Carroll will be there and all the usual crew outside the Bailey, uh, just off Grafton Street in central Dublin from 9 o'clock on Christmas Eve morning. But the final funny Friday of 2022 will be in the Hudson Bay Hotel at Hudson Bay, is the correct pronunciation, just outside Athlone. And that's on Friday, November 25th. And you're all welcome. The usual, totally free, totally fun, and uh, uh, loads of our usual uh, acts and loads of giveaways. That's next Friday week, November 25th, in the Hudson Bay and Hotel. Funny Friday. Uh, back tomorrow, 1.45. And uh, Ray Darcy is next. 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie